Hey, good morning, Victory. How you doing? Let's try that again. Hey, good morning, Victory. How you doing? Hey, we go. <laughs> Like everybody was like, oh, we're at church. My bad, we forgot. Uh, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us, uh, as Zoe and Brian have said, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. It's, we're just elated to have you. And we would love for you to get a connection card or to find some way to connect with us because as you're going to hear me preach about today, I think the church is the hope of the world. And so for you to be able to be here and to be able to get connected and, and find not only what the church can do for you, but what you can do for the church. And I just think it's life-changing. Amen. Hey, I want to give a couple announcements real quick before we get into the word. First of all, thank you to every person that gives financially to Victory every month through tithes and offerings. We're able to do so much. Every Sunday, I try to say something from here that we're doing outside of the walls because you're seeing when you walk in here all that we're able to do financially inside the walls. Um, but outside, as Zoe said, I want to kind of highlight again, is just the Tuesday night event we're doing with Men of Valor, the graduation. We're able to provide them a very nice catered dinner to celebrate their graduation because of you and because of your faithfulness. And so it'll be exciting. Every, every man I talk to, every time I get up, I'll be able to say, Victory Church loves you. And Victory Church celebrates what's happening in your life as you graduate this program. And so I just think it's cool. I think you should be excited that even though you may not be able to be there physically, if you can, we want you there. But if you can't, the fact that your finances are going to be able to minister to them like that, I think it's amazing. Um, also, we, uh, we're in between our small group breaks. We do small group semesters in the spring and the fall. And so we've been talking through trying to figure out a way to be able to provide something for those that are looking for connection, those that are looking to go deeper in the word during this summer season. And so every Thursday in July, mark this, every Thursday in July, we are going to meet here, uh, probably in the Dream Team Care Room, and we are going to break down, uh, more in a small group setting, we're going to break down what we're talking about that Sunday. So um, to give you an idea, in the month of July, I'm going to preach through a series called Patterns, where we're going to talk about how to change the pattern that are in our life and be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so I'll preach on it, um, but I only get about 30 minutes to preach, so I'll preach on it. And then on that Thursday night, we're going to talk through more of it and how to actually apply it to our lives, how to walk out and to see real change. And so I'm excited about it uh, because I think you're going to love the series as well as love the practicality of being able to walk through it. So if you're newer to the church and you're saying, man, I'm ready for connection, if you've been looking for a small group, but we're in that weird season where we don't have them, this is the class for you. And check this out. You ready? For this class, for four weeks, we are going to have child care. Oh, all the parents said, yeah. All right. So here's what I need you to do. I need you, if you're interested in that, to register ASAP because we have limited space on how many kids we can have. So you'll see it online on our social media as well as starting next Sunday, you'll see uh, opportunities to register. So if you want to be there, do me a favor and register so that we can make sure at least if nothing else, childcare is made up for you. But also we want to know who's going to be here so we can prep what room we're going to meet in and so on. So you'll hear me talk more about it, but I wanted to put it on your radar. Uh, if nothing else this week, be looking at our social media for that registration. Amen? Amen. You ready for the word? Man, I need y'all to be excited this morning. Like, it, we're coming off, it's holidays or what is it, summer now, so everybody's used to waking up at noon throughout the week, right? Isn't that what happens? We don't quit working during the summer? Oh, okay, all right, we just start kids. All right, hey, if you got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're in a series called Following Jesus, and we've been kind of breaking down the practicality of what it looks like to be a one-on-one -on -one disciple of Jesus. 
and we talked week one on just what it looks like to pray and to be in God's presence, to spend time with him. We talked about the Bible. We talked about how the Holy Spirit is what changes us, which we'll revisit that in our next series. Uh, we talked about the recipe to following Jesus as Darla did on Mother's Day. And then last week or a couple weeks ago, we talked about the water baptism and communion, to which leads us to today and water baptism. is going to be a great, great day after service um, or towards the end of service. But today I want to talk to you about the church, okay? The, the, as we transition into the last couple of sermons of the series, the first five or so have been very about you and God, your quiet time with God, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, uh, communion, baptism. These are going to be more about you and the people of God and how that kind of translates into following Jesus. So let's start reading in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, and we'll take it from there. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. So in other words, now that we can enter in the presence of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, not because of your performance, not because of how good you've been, but because of what Jesus did. Amen? And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider, watch this, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And here's the part that I really want to focus on, not giving up meeting together not, not giving up, not forgetting to come together and be together, to worship together, to fellowship together, because something happens when we are together, right? If, if we were proven at any point that fact, it was during 2020 when we weren't able to gather. You were still able to hear sermons and worship online, but you heard everybody, no matter what church they went to, you heard them speak about how it was just different, right? It was just something because we weren't together, and it goes on to say, when, we're, when we keep this together, we keep meeting together, we encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to talk to you today from this title, Take Me to Church. Take Me to Church. Somebody say, Take Me to Church. You know, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I never thought that the church would be as influential in my life as it is. My parents were not, if, if they were saved, they certainly weren't church-attending uh, Christians when I was growing up. We never went to church. I went to church twice. They were both for funerals. Uh, I didn't understand Jesus, didn't, didn't know anything about that concept, and it wasn't until I walked into math class in high school, and I sat down beside Brian, who was up here a minute ago doing announcements, and, and Brian, we got to chit-chat, and then we hit it off immediately, became best friends, and he started talking about playing basketball and females, and I was like, that's my two favorite things on planet Earth. So wherever we can find both of those in one setting must be the Lord. And so he invited me to his church, and what would happen is they'd have youth service on Wednesday night, and after youth service was over, all the students would go over to the Family Life Center where there was a gym, and they'd have concessions and popcorn and basketball and girls. It was awesome. And so I, I suffered through church service so I could get over there and hang out with everybody. But the more I went to the church the more I fell in love with what I was experiencing because not only was I learning about the goodness of Jesus Christ, 
but I was watching how awesome real church people were. I was watching how a lot of spiritual moms and dads would kind of take me in and love on me, and I just, I just loved it. It gave me purpose, and, and all of a sudden, I wanted to kind of, I don't know, give my life towards it. I was telling somebody after the first service, that's how I ended up here, because I, I was so just blessed by the church, so blessed by the people of the church that I wanted to kind of give my life to providing that for other people. And I, I just believe the church is the hope of the world. I, I believe it is life changing. I, I believe if you find a healthy church, it's life changing. And if you go for all that church has, you ever met somebody who will encourage you or invite you to go to a steakhouse, and then when it comes time to order food, they get chicken tenders? I know people like this, and I'm always confused on why we just didn't go to Chick-fil-A. You know, a lot cheaper, that's their focus, but it's like we're here, and if we're here, why wouldn't you want to experience the best that it has, right? And if we're not careful, we'll come to the church like a steakhouse, and we'll just order chicken tenders, We'll just experience a few things instead of really grasping all that it has for us and experiencing life change. And my message to you today and my cry from my heart to you today is for you to see just how powerful the church can be when it's done right, when it actually mirrors the heart of Jesus Christ. It's life-changing. Most people today, they associate the word church with a building where Christians meet. But the ancient Greek word for the church, the ecclesia, it actually was a non-religious word. So it originally wasn't connect, connected to only a religious environment. You and I only know church now as, oh, it's, it's a religious service. We don't connect it to anything. But in that day, it simply meant an assembly of people. A group of people who were typically gathered together for a specific purpose. So if a group of people gathered together for one purpose, they were ecclesia. That's how you ended up getting the verbiage, the church of Jesus Christ, because it was a group of people who were assembling together, but their specific purpose was the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that, that's how that kind of originated, letting us realize that the church is not a building, it's a people, Right? Let me, let, me, let me help you understand this. Victory Church is not a building. Victory Church is a people. It's a culture. It's a gathering. I'll prove it to you. Here's how I know Victory Church is not a building. Because we're five years old, and we've already had two different buildings, right? For those of you that don't know, when we started the church, we were in a high school or, or middle school in Smyrna. We started in a middle school. And that was our building, but that wasn't who we are, who we were. That was just where we were meeting. And then God blessed us with this location in Antioch. Matter of fact, in 2020, that was technically another building. It was your house, right? That's, so we've been in all kinds of different locations, proving to you that the church is not, this is great. I appreciate that God gave it to us and we're able to do so much stuff with it. But at the end of the day, the church is, is us. We, we don't just go to church. We get to be the church, Give you some examples. Last Sunday when we were doing Church of the Park, a young lady who attends Victory, she, she did until her job moved her away. She came in town. Anytime she's in town, she comes to church and she came in town and she found out that we were at the park and so she comes over to the park and it was later in the day than our nine o'clock service so she wasn't able to stay but we got to chit-chatting and just checking in on her, how her life was going and 
She said, Pastor Troy, she said, before I found victory, I hadn't been to church in 14 years. Think about that. She said, then I found victory, and she said, I found my family, I found my home. She said, then my job made me move, and she said, I haven't been able to find it since. She said, I couldn't find it in Atlanta, and I couldn't find it in Philly, and she says, I'm begging and finding ways for my job to move me back here. She said, I may have to quit my job. What would make somebody do something like that? She's not moving back here for a building. She's moving back here for people, for a culture, for a heart, for an attitude, for an idea and an atmosphere that is breathing the heart of Jesus Christ. I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago, we had a couple uh, that were in leadership, and and because of some family issues, they were going to have to go move back home to Clarksville, and we we hated it. We remembered having them up here, and we celebrated them as they went, and a couple months go by, and they reached out to me, and they said, do you think it's okay if we come back to victory? And I laughed, and I was like, of course. I was like, but I don't understand. Are you moving back here? She said, no, I think we're just going to drive to Victory every Sunday morning. So every Sunday morning, they drive from Clarksville to come here. They have a small group that meets on Sunday nights in Clarksville where they watch these sermons. They're not coming back here for a building. There's plenty of buildings in Clarksville. It's a culture, right? I love that right now in this season, we're in a lot of our, uh, our families. We've got four or five that are having little babies. And it's so great that we get to come alongside of them and be with them as they're being moms and dads for the first time. It's not a building. It's a people. We don't just go to church. We get to be the church. Does that make sense? Whenever somebody says, where do you go to church? You say, well, my building is on 5383 Mount View Road. But we are the church, Victory Church. Amen? One of the surest ways for you and I to keep our life healthy and for you and I to keep connected to Jesus is by surrounding ourselves with other growing followers of Jesus. One of the best ways for you, you you experience Christ, you start to study, read the Bible, pray, you start to grow, but one of the best things you can do as a grower of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, a growing follower of Jesus, I just put those two words together, grower, is to surround yourself with other growing followers. It's why the church is so essential, it's why it's so beneficial to our life. I said this a couple months ago, You do not have to go to church to go to heaven, just so we're clear. You you don't have to ever, you can give your heart to Jesus and never set your foot in a church building and go to heaven. It's fine. But you also don't have to go to a gym to be in shape, right? But it helps. So there's a church, I I saw this picture on Facebook where the, the, the little statement said, you don't have to go to church to get to heaven, but you also don't have to wear a parachute when you jump off an airplane. But it helps. So I'm just saying it helps. When, when you and I move past following Jesus just on our own, and we move into connecting with other believers in his larger church, we, we become a part of a greater mission that God is accomplishing on the planet. When you and I decide, okay, we're going to follow Jesus, and then we're going to connect with other followers of Jesus, and we allow our gifts and talents, we become a part of a greater mission. I said this at the first service, and I want to say it to you. Every person that's going to be baptized today, you get to be a part of that story. And not just because you're physically here, but because Victory Church doesn't exist without you, without 
those that serve without the finances, without the bodies and the seats, Victory Church doesn't exist. And if Victory Church is what helped lead some of those people to follow Jesus, so they'd be baptized, they're being baptized at Victory Church, you get to celebrate and be a part of that. Does that make sense? You're a part of a greater mission, a mission about lives being changed, not just about you or just about me, about a global impact. We're a part of that through the church. So in Acts chapter 2, we're going to see kind of what, it, what a healthy church looks like. So Jesus has ascended and he's gone to heaven and the church kind of begins to operate. And obviously you're going to see some cultural differences and some different things because this was thousands of years ago. But in Acts chapter 2, we do see kind of an expectation or a layout of what a healthy church looks like. So watch this, Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized. So those who gave their heart to Jesus, who chose to be saved, if you choose to give your heart to Jesus, be baptized. That's what happened. We're going to celebrate. And then about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Watch this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, so to the preaching of the word, and to fellowship, small groups, one-on-one discipleship, dream teams, events. They committed themselves to the breaking of bread. That's, that's uh, Hebrew for Mexican restaurant. That's what that is right there, okay? So when they say breaking of bread, that's the breaking of the chip that then you put into the cheese dip. Can I get an amen? Right, because that's the white manna right there. You just kind of dip it in. They committed themselves to the Mexican restaurant and to prayer. And to prayer, it's healthy breakdown. Everyone was filled with the awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They were amazed at the people's lives who were being changed. And all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Now, this does not mean they all had the same football team. This means they were all about the same mission, which was Jesus. So, obviously, they're going to disagree about some things, but the overall main thing was the main thing. They sold, I love this, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They had a heart of, if you need it and I got it, you can have it. And I love that we're building that at Victory. You've heard me talk about Victory's closet where people are bringing stuff and putting it and other people are taking it. Uh, a couple of weekends ago, some of our ladies got together and did the summer swap where it was all these new kids' clothes and toys, used kids' toys and toys that people could come and get. It was just an amazing, amazing thing because one of our hearts is if we got it and you need it, you can have it. Right? I love that. It's, I love it. You'd be excited about it. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Here's that attitude. If God blesses you, I'm excited about it. I'm not mad about it. If something good happens to you, I'm celebrating with you. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, we took Acts chapter 2, and we started this church and we kind of did our best to break it down and put together a, a, a mission for our church. Uh, we were doing the meet and greet a couple of weeks ago, and, and one of the people raised their hand, and they said, um, if, you had, if you had to really quickly explain to somebody what is Victory Church, what would you say? And I thought about it for a second. I said, I, I would tell them the four Gs. If I, had a, if I had a real short time, I'd just tell them about the grace of Jesus. But if I had time to explain about I would talk about the four Gs, our grow, God, give, and go. We took that from kind of the frame of Acts 2. So let me explain it to you real quick, especially for those who never been here or only been for a couple of weeks or so. First of all, we're all about helping people grow to know God. That's our number one thing. If we don't accomplish anything else, then the main focus, especially of a Sunday worship service, is to help the people that gather grow to know Jesus more. That's why you're going to always hear me preach the grace of Jesus. If you're ever hearing going, he preaching on grace again? Because that's all I care about. 
Because the only way that you're going to actually ever really grow in God is to know the character and the love and the heart of God. And the character and love and heart of God is grace. So I'm going to always find ways, and I'm going to do it today, to push you back to the love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. Because that's our focus, to help you grow in that. Now listen, we design sermon series and plans and schedules so that we can help you grow in every area. Which is why I've been preaching following Jesus, so that we can just grow practically in what it looks like to live for God on a daily basis. Next month, I'm going to talk about patterns and how we can see change in our life, because I'm meeting with men all the time who are depressed, and they're stressed, and they're anxious, and I'm going, we got to change some patterns in your life, right? And so we're going to talk about that. And then in the month of August, we're going to talk through prayer and what it looks like to actually walk out a prayer life. In September, we're going to talk about vision. In October, we're going to do at the movies. Come on, everybody, right? And so we'll, that's, if you're not here, what we do is we preach from movies. We have popcorn and Coke. And it's the best opportunity to bring people who have never been to church into church so that they can hear about the grace of Jesus Christ. In November, we'll talk through finances and what it looks like to let God steward our finances in December, we'll spend Christmas together as a church, and I'll just show you how all throughout the year it's planned out so that you and I, as we come to church together, are growing in our knowledge of God. Second is to help guide people to freedom. I love this because there's one thing for you to hear a sermon on Sunday and then to walk out those doors and go, what do I actually do with it now? Like, how do I, how do I apply it? Versus actually putting yourself in arenas and areas and systems where you are interacting with other believers and other followers. So we have four ways for that, and I'll show you how they all grow as they go. The four ways are small groups, one-on-one -on -one discipleship, dream team, and events. So events is the lowest level because it gets you around people. It puts you out with people. An event was a church at the park. I watched a lot of you sitting around talking to people you probably never talked to before because you had the chance. You weren't running around to have to go do something else after church. And so you're, you're building that relationship already. Oh, you know, you're in the season I'm in. Oh, let's talk about that. Then the next level would be dream team where you can serve together and you're serving together on Sunday and building relationships and there's hangouts and parties together for your dream team and you're building those relationships. Then there's small groups where you're sitting in homes and rooms with other people in the church, breaking down scripture, talking through a book of the Bible or, or going over the sermon from the Sunday. And then the next level is one-on-one -on -one discipleship where it's just you and one other person setting, breaking down scripture and how it applies to your current season. And they're all great. And so I'm encouraging you right now, if you're finding yourself on one of those, move up to the next one because we all need it. Because it's one thing to grow in your knowledge of God. It's another thing to be guided into the freedom that God provides. And so we need it. One of the things I think is so important about the church. Third is that we provide a place for people to give. We consider people giving in three ways, time, talent, and tithe. You get to do these things. You get to give your time and your time, your tithe back to God. And so it's two ways we do that here is through Dream Team and, of course, through uh, tithes and offerings. So Dream Team is a phenomenal place for you to give of your time and talent. I want to stop for a second, and I want to say if you're in here and you serve on a Dream Team, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, you can put your hands together for them. Thank you. We would not be able to do what we do every Sunday without the Dream Team. It's a phenomenal opportunity for every one of you to use your time and your talent, and you get to give it back to God. All that God's done for us, and you mean I get to serve in a way that tells somebody else about the God I know? Sign me up. 
There's opportunities for you, whether you're opening a door, whether you're on the stage, whether you're in production, V-Kids, whatever it might be, where you are serving people and helping them learn about the grace of Jesus Christ. Another way, of course, is through tithes and offerings. And I, I, I teach heavily on that in November, so I, I normally don't spend a lot of time, but I, I'm not going to skate around. I'm going to share it real quick just so you know. Uh, obviously, one of the driving forces behind any church is finances. It, I mean, it's, just, it's any organization, right? The more finances there are, the more impact you can have. The more people tithe and give of offerings, the more things that we can do influentially both in the church and outside of the church. I do want to share this because I don't normally do this, but I thought it'd be fun. Just to give you an idea of some of the ways that we do, when we get up and set up our budget for the year, the first thing we do is we take 10% off that budget and we operate off a 90% budget just to have margin room. It's just smart financial stewardship. The second thing we do is we take another 10% and we immediately on that day, on the 1st of January, allocate 10% of all that we expect to come in towards outreach. So we set all of that money aside, and then later I meet with Zoe, and we start allocating who's going to get what, and we leave some for new partnerships and so on. But right off the bat, we don't, we don't ask questions. We don't wait till the money comes in. We trust God, and we put that money aside for outreach, and then we operate this church off an 80% budget. That's how we move. I just want you to know that, just the stewardship of our church. But obviously, the more that money comes in, the more impact. The more, if, if we're giving 10% to the community, the more money, the more they get, Right? The more you're able to bring in staff, the more you're able to do certain things to the buildings. We are completely aware that at some point we're going to need a bigger building. And so it's all these things praying, but God uses those finances to do it. So when God puts you in a church, he gives you a place where you can give out of your time, talent, and tithe. Now, in November, I preach more of what that does for you and how God, putting God as the steward over your money is a blessing for you. But I'm just talking to you right now about the practicality of it. Last is we like to give people a place to go and make a difference. If you've been here for any amount of time, you know our heart is outreach. You know that we're either going to go financially or we're going to go physically. We believe that we want to be a church where if something was to ever happen and we were to leave, the city would be going, no, 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 you got to come back. You're making too much impact. So when you walk out, you'll see all those signs on the wall of all of our different partners we have, from Scott Horde to missionaries to Isaiah 117, Food Banks, Empowerment Incorporated, Men of Valor. And, and we're continuing to partner with new people. We partner with Youth for Christ, as I shared last week. Here's just a couple of things. On, on the 1st of July, we'll gather in Smyrna at their big 4th of July event, and we'll give out glow-in-the-dark necklaces to all the kids. We'll share the gospel in the church. We'll have a dunk tank that I'll get in, along with some other uh, town leadership. And they'll be able to dunk us. And for every dollar raised, we'll give 100% of that to Nourish Food Bank. And so we're just constantly looking for things. At the end of July, we'll do a community outreach here in Antioch where we'll give uh, school supplies to all the kids who come through. We're constantly finding ways and providing opportunity for you to go and make a difference. And you can either do it financially or you can do it physically by being there. Tuesday night's a great opportunity for you to do that as we celebrate these men who graduate. And so these four ideas that we're going to, what are we about? We want to give you opportunity to grow and know God. We want to give you an opportunity to be guided into freedom, actual godly freedom. We want to see you have an opportunity to give out of who you are, your gifts, your talents. And then we want to give you opportunity to go and make a difference. Grow, God, give, and go. Another thing that we like to say here at Victory is you're here on purpose because you have a purpose. When, when I got saved, one of, the, one of the biggest revolutions or revelations for me was the idea that now I had purpose. And so I just believe the church itself gives people purpose. I saw this quote by Charles Spurgeon that said, God uses people who fail because there are no other kind of people. <laughs> I love that. Right? God uses broken people because there ain't no other kind. 
And so what an opportunity, what, what a great pattern God has to use his church as the vehicle to use broken people to minister to other broken people, right? It's amazing. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 says this, however, he's given each one of us, everybody say me, he's given each one of us, you, a special gift through the generosity of Jesus. Jesus is so generous that he gave you a gift that if you'll give it back to him, he'll use it to minister and help other people. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. God's given each of us a gift that when used for him, brings us fulfillment. I love, I love this. Brings us fulfillment and makes a difference in the lives of those around us. So when you allow your gifts to be used by God, when you give those <coughs> gifts back to God, not only does it help people around you, but it fulfills you. I think that's important. I think it's important because we all want this sense of significance that's found in achieving something bigger, bigger than just monetary or material success. And we've always heard this, right? You've always heard about rich and famous people who have money and fame, but they're not happy, right? You always hear these kind of stories, right? And, and you probably say what I say. I'm like, man, if I had what they had, I'd have no problem being happy. I'm, I'm happy with what I got. If I had what they had, I'd be extra happy. But they never seem to be happy. Why? Here's why. Here's why you'll never be happy with just monetary and material success, and neither are they. Because you and I are eternal spiritual beings, and we are wired and we yearn to be a part of something that has eternal and spiritual legacy. When I, when I first, when Brian and I first started getting into church, when he first started introducing me to church, and I kind of had it made at that season of my life because I lived with my dad, and I had a really good job. And so I had a lot of money. So I had uh, a silver Mazda 626 on 20-inch chrome rims. That's right, girl. <laughs> they see me rolling. <laughs> They're hating. Um, I had just bought this $500 cell phone that was featured in the movie Men in Black. It was all like, see, I remember that phone? It was super skinny. I, mean, I, I, I had it made. My role model was Eminem. And so I would listen to him. I had the hat on backwards and the chain and the icy Air Force Ones. Like, like financially, I was in a good place. Like, like don't get me wrong. I didn't have money. But, but I was 17, and I had more money than every other 17-year-old. You know what I mean? Like, I had it made. But, but honestly, if you could have just, like, plucked me out of life for a second and asked me how I was, I would have told you I was miserable. Because I, I didn't have any real purpose. You know what I mean? Like, there was no real joy in that. And so then Brian invites me to church, and I start going to church, and not only was the message of Jesus Christ really moving on my heart, but y'all, I was, I was being loved by people who didn't have any reason to love me. You know what I mean? I had spiritual moms and dads who were getting no gain from me. I remember the youth pastor invited me on this trip that I couldn't afford to go, and he paid for me and let me stay the entire week. And it was just little things like that that were kind of opening up my eye to what real Christians were like. And then I was watching people be able to impact other people's lives. And I was watching other people impact my life. And I started realizing this is what I want to give my life to. I don't need 20-inch chrome, although I'll take them, okay, in case anybody got something y'all want to give away. I don't need the rims and the phone. I, I, want, to, I want to give my life to something with more meaning. And, and here's what you got to understand. This is the way you're wired. You are wired to find more fulfillment when you give your life to being able to bless somebody else 
than when you work hard so that you have a better life. I'm not preaching to you. It's literally how you're wired. God designed you this way. I understand there's a, there's a flesh nature in you and a selfish nature that does want, but you'll never be happy because the thing that triggers your happiness comes from the God who saved you, and it's a generosity. And so because you know someone who didn't, who, who didn't uh, owe you anything gave his life for you, that's wired in you. And so you want to give your life to other people so that they may experience Jesus as well. It's in you. It's, it's what you desire. It's what you yearn for. And listen to me. One of The reason why I say the church is the hope of the world, I don't mean that the church is going to save you outside of Jesus. I mean the church is the vehicle that God will use to get the message of hope out. You, the people, God wants to move on your heart so that you can then go minister to other people. There's a saying that we'll do in our dream team, care with our team. One of our team members said this one day, and I'll never forget it. He said, when it, when it comes time to Sunday morning getting ready for church, he said, go be what you needed. What you needed the day you walked in here. For some of you, you've never been here before, you walked in that you needed something. I hope you got it. And now, as God starts to move in your life, and now you're a part of victory, it's our charge every Sunday morning to go out and be what we needed. Well, let me just be really honest with you. What I needed when I came into church was for somebody to care about me, for somebody to just care about me, right, to just bring me into a circle. And I'll never forget that. And it's molded me to the point to where I always want to build bigger tables, not taller walls, because it's, it's molded me and who I am. And so I want it for you. I want it for you. I, I know the power of it, and I believe it's the same for you once you grasp it. Because the real secret to solving life's problems is to have something bigger in your life, something greater than an earthly problem. Because the more you're focused on other people, the less time you have to focus on your own problems, right? True happiness is found in purpose. So I challenge every one of you, start looking at the church a little bit differently. Start looking at it as a vehicle for the message and the hope and the grace of Jesus Christ. And what can we do to help that message get out? Some of you are like, man, I, I have a hard time viewing it that way because of what I've seen when it comes to church. And so you're going to have a hard time convincing me that it's some kind of vehicle. Well, I'm glad you said it because I figured the best thing about all of this for you to be passionate about what the church is and supposed to be is you have to understand what the greatest purpose of the church is to begin with. Because if, if that's off, then the rest of this is nonsense to you. But once you understand this correctly, it starts to set a different trajectory of your purpose and future for the church. So let me explain this to you. Uh, my dad lives in Panama City, Florida. Uh, Jesus has really been doing something great in his life. We're going to celebrate that and talk a little bit about that on Father's Day. But twice a year, we get to go out and spend a week or so with him in Panama City and spend time with him and enjoy the beach. And One week, we go without kids, and one week, we go with kids. I've taught you as a church, when you got kids, it ain't a vacation. It's what? It's a family trip, okay? So we do a family trip in the fall, and we do a vacation in the spring. Can I get an Amen. So we got to go down recently, and Brian and Erica went with us, and we spent Monday to Friday there at the beach. 
Um, I, I, you know, y'all know I, I try to do my best to get up and go to the gym and have my quiet time and all that. And we don't have a gym at the beach. And so I'm talking to Brian. He's like, well, just come run with me. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm going to go run. I said, man, the Bible says that only the wicked run when they're not being chased. Okay? Amen, Tom. Amen. This is not of the Lord, man. Something's wrong. I'll pray for you right now, son. Get the anointing oil out. And so obviously I said, okay, I will. So I go out and run. And it was so cute because he loves me so much that, that he stayed with me the first couple days, you know, pretending like he was sweating. You know, he's like, oh, man, this runs hard. I'm like, shut up. Like, you know. And so towards the end of the week, you know, he, he would go and do his own thing. So, so towards the last day, I'm running. And come to find out, there's an Ironman race that was going to happen on Saturday. And we were there Monday through Friday, but the whole week they were prepping for it. And so I'm running, and, and as I'm running, I, I see something in, in, in coming up, and it's a yellow tent. And it looks like this right here. And it just said penalty box on it. And I was like, that's so weird. I, got, I had never seen that before. And so I'm running, and I see it. So by the time I get back to the condo, and Brian's there, I said, Brian, did you see the penalty box tent? He said, yeah. I said, what is that? He said, well, in, in an Ironman race, there's all these rules. There's all these rules you got to follow because you swim, you ride a bike, and you run. And he said, and at any point you break one of those rules, somebody jots down that you've broken a rule. And he said, and they'll try to communicate it to you, you know, when you get out of the water, to try to let you know. And they said, when they tell you you've committed a penalty, what happens is when you see that penalty box, you know that you've got to stop your race and go over and pay for the penalty or pay the penalty of the mistake that you made. I said, man, that's crazy. He said, you want to hear the real crazy part? He said, they understand that some people might try to lie, like maybe they didn't hear or maybe they won't hear. So he said, they'll have people in the tent who are looking for that person just to be able to go out and say, hey, 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 Betty Joe, Betty Joe. Well, you made a mistake. So you need to come over to this tent and pay for the penalty. And when he told me that, I thought, oh, my goodness, there are people out there that see the church like a penalty box. That believe the whole purpose of the church is for somebody who's more righteous and more holy to come out and say, hey, 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 you need to come in here. You've made a mistake. you got to pay the penalty. And no wonder nobody wants to go to the church, right? If that's what it is. If all it is is for somebody and something to tell me I made a mistake when I'm out here dying as it is. And now you've told me I made a mistake and now you're worried about me getting there and paying for us in my goodness. When I saw the yellow tent, I kept on running. About another mile or so down, there was a red tent. And the red tent looked like this. And it was a medical tent. I thought about using it. <laughs> Nobody there. But I didn't have to ask Brian what the medical tent was about. Because I understood the medical tent. The medical tent is, while I'm running this race, if an emergency happens, or if I get hurt, or if I get tired, I can go into this medical tent, and there is somebody there wiser than me, and more in tune than me, and a professional at what I'm dealing with, and they can bring me healing, and then get me back out in the race, right? And this is what the Holy Spirit's saying. Listen to me. The church was never meant to be a penalty box. It was never meant to be a place where we weigh people down and say, hey, this is the mistake you made. This is the failure you had. You need to come in here and you need to find a way to pay for your mistakes. It was always meant to be a medical tent 
so that you and I, in this rush of life, we could, when we find moments where we're tired, when we find moments that we're hurting, we could pull off into the tent and someone greater and someone better and someone who could actually bring healing could heal us and say, get back out. You're healed. Get back out and let's get back going. It's what it was meant for. I'll prove it to you. You ready? I don't make this stuff up. The religious people are talking to Jesus because he's been hanging out with all them sinner folk. And they're like, what are you doing? Why are you hanging out with all these people who are hurting and tired? Why are you hanging out with all these people who've made mistakes and failed? What do you do? Jesus, are, are we setting up a penalty box for these people because they aren't as righteous as we are? Why are you hanging out with them? And Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Jesus said, I, Jesus, have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus said, listen to me, my church is not a penalty box. Jesus said, my gospel is not about a penalty. My church and my gospel is a hospital. And when people are hurting and when people are tired and when people are weak, they're supposed to be able to come in, right? They're supposed to be able to be treated. How are we treated? By the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And once they're treated, they can get up and get back out there. Listen, years ago, I, I got a really bad kidney stone. And I'd never experienced pain like that. And I always heard it's like the male version of female labor. I would never say that because I don't want you ladies to beat me up after service. But I'm telling you, if I had to assume what labor felt like, that's what I think it would feel like. It was terrible. But you know what was interesting? Darla took me to the emergency room. And when I got in the emergency room, they didn't ask any, They asked me where the pain was. And all they were worried about in that moment was stopping that pain. And then after all that pain was over, then they started saying, Troy, maybe you shouldn't hydrate with, you know, 20-ounce sweet tea. Like, maybe that's not the smartest thing in the world, you know? Because there was healing first, and then there was a process of how to run the race better, right? That's the church. That's the grace of Jesus Christ. Let's find healing. And then once you are healed, watch this. Then you can get back in the race, but you won't be running it alone. Not only are you running it with other people, like people in this room who are just trying to figure it out, but you're running it with Jesus. Do me a favor. Everybody stand in this place just for a second. Worship team, I'm going to invite you up. I want to do two things real quick before we get into our water baptism. The first thing is I just want to allow an opportunity for healing. For healing. Maybe you've been running this race and you're tired, you're hurt. Maybe all you can think about is the mistakes you've made and the failure that you are. Maybe at some point you got a misunderstanding of what the actual church was supposed to be about to begin with. I talked with people after the first service and they would say things like this, thank you for preaching what the church is supposed to be. hate that we got to preach it. But it's possible that you're in here and you've been hurt by a system that was way more like a penalty box than it was a medical tent. 
And I'm just telling you, that's not the heart of God. So can we just take, we'll take 30 seconds to a minute. And can we just have some healing for a second? Just close your eyes in this place. Father, whatever you need healing from right now, whatever area that you're tired in, let's just have kind of a spiritual moment where we're, we're entering into this medical tent. And there's Jesus. His grace is sufficient for whatever it is that you're dealing with right now. Just allow the Holy Spirit to bring healing to you. Oh, Father, I pray. I I can't do anything at this point, but your Holy Spirit is moving. Father, I believe in your grace and your mercy, and I just pray for supernatural healing right now. Supernatural healing right now for the person that's always thought it was something else, for the person that their idea of who you were and their idea of the church was broken. Healing right now. Healing. Complete healing. For the person that's hurt, the person who's tired, stressed, they've been thinking about quitting the race. Father, can we just have a moment in? Lord, that's what we're, that's, that's what we're in right now. Come on, Holy Spirit. We're in the tent right now. We're in the tent right now. Just receive it. The Bible says you just have to receive it. Receive healing right now. Father, we worship you. We worship you. one more thing, but before I do that at this time, I want to invite, if you're being baptized, would you do me a favor, just go ahead and make your way now so that you guys can get ready so that we can celebrate with you. It's going to be so special.
just real quick, just in case somebody in here and like, man, I, I want to be baptized. I wasn't ready. We'll make it happen. We'll find a way. We probably got extra shirts. I just felt the need to say that. Um, let me speak to you for a moment before we get in preparation for that. When Jesus says the church is a hospital for mostly what he said on that verse, I want you to hear this. He said the church is a hospital. He did not say the church is hospice. In other words, you don't come to the church just so he can medicate your problems long enough for you to die off. You come to a place like this so that the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ can bring healing to you. And then he turns around and puts you, takes you, and uses you to be able to communicate that same message. So here's my challenge to you. There's a QR code that's going to come up on the screen. This QR code kind of moves you to your next step. In that QR code is the opportunity to sign up for water baptism. It's the opportunity to join a dream team and a small group, sign up for one-on-one -on -one discipleship or a Bible reading plan. And I want to challenge you because I believe that as you experience true healing, you're going to be hungry. What do I do with it now? I'm healed. I'm excited, but what do I do with it? You start putting it in motion. You start using it to impact other people's lives. Most of the stories of the people you're about to see get baptized, if not all of them, the interactions that moved them to this decision were not one-on-one -on -one interactions with me. They weren't even necessarily interactions in this church. A lot of them were interactions with people in this church, outside of this church. One-on-one -on -one meetings at dinner, conversations at different establishments that led to that person because they had seen it walked out because somebody took time with them because somebody loved on them because when they came into this church somebody opened that door and welcomed them somebody received their kids so they could come in here and for an hour and 15 minutes not be asked mommy 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 and so because all of these things they were led to a place where they experienced the real love and mercy of Jesus Christ and now they're going to walk that out in water baptism some of these people aren't up here if it weren't for the individuals that understood that, hey, now that I've found healing, I got to get out and become a hospital. And so here's my challenge to you. If I'm your pastor, if you're here, listen to me. God's done great things in your life. Am I right? Once I could really grasp what Jesus did in my life, my only attitude was I have to give him my life. What else could I give it to, right? If he changed me, God, if I've only got another 30, 40 years, you take it. Use it so that other people might experience you. And that's my challenge to you. The church changed my life 20 years ago. Changed my life. Now, I'm not telling you to plant a church, but if you want to, go for it. It's really hard, but go for it. But I'm just telling you, what is it? What is it? How can you start using what's God about you to impact other people so that they can experience the same God that changed your life? Amen? That's my prayer for you. That the Holy Spirit, just again, for the next 30 seconds, the Holy Spirit would just start speaking to your heart. If this isn't your church, maybe now it's your church. If this is your church, you're already asking, God, how can I be used? How can I be used? 
What can I do? God's done so much for me. What can I do back for him?